listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. So good to be here. My name is Lauren. I am really excited about this talk. Um, this whole content has been really fun to listen to and to reflect and to work through. And so I am pumped to be here tonight to wrap up our series called IDK, uh, where we've been talking about God's will for our lives. So just a super easy breezy topic. Um, before we jump in, I wanna do a little activity real quick. So everybody put a hand in the air. You're gonna see a picture on the screen. And all I want is for you to rate how stressed it causes you to feel from one to five. One being, you're chill, you're cool. Five being, you're sweating, okay? So here's the first one. Uh, the cereal aisle, how do we feel about it? You walk into the cereal aisle, okay. All right, I see a little bit of everything, okay? It is stressful. You walk in with a plan, right? You always walk in with a plan. And then you're like, but lucky charms. Um, next one, all the streamers, when you go to watch something on TV, what do you decide? Where are we going? Netflix, Hulu, there's so many options. Did you know half of these existed? Because I didn't. Um, I only know ABC exists because I use my parents' Xfinity. Next one, the Taco Bell menu. Oh. It depends, right? Like if this was a last minute decision, you don't really know. There's also some new menu items that are pretty good if you haven't tried them out. Uh, this next one, Spaghetti Junction in Atlanta. A lot of fives. Ten. 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 It stresses me out because they always change something. I'm not, no. Who said follow the signs? The signs are always changing, and my phone's like, no, go this way, go this way. And because I'm a moron and I follow the phone, like Michael Scott into the lake, I can never figure it out. Uh, there's too much, too much going on. Okay, this last one, this is actually a little video. Uh, this is the degree website at UNG. I thought I'd do a quick little five second scroll. This is a 30 second video. It just kept going. I'm scrolling really fast for the sake of time. Okay, some fives, some twos, that's great. Any seniors in the room, how do you feel about this? You feel pretty, okay, fives, some ones, some extremes. That feels right for senior year. Um, this gave me quite the flashback because one, they've added a lot of degrees since I was there. It wasn't nearly that crazy. But when I was in college, I changed my degree seven times, Lord's number, holy. Um, and every time I changed my degree, it was always the same thought of, this is what I'll do for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I'll be a teacher. And then I took some education classes. And if there's any education majors in here, y'all are some special people and I am not one of them. Yes, big shout out to you. I got out of there real fast. Then I was like, it's okay. I'll own a business for the rest of my life. Went into some business classes and I was like, boring, got out of there. And I was like, art? I tried everything. I went down every road, tried it all, landed in sociology, which was a good time. So, but every time I went to my advisor to change my major, it, was always, it wasn't through the filter of, this will, this is what I'm interested in, this will be fun, this will be life-giving. It was always, what could I do for the rest of my life? Or if I'm being honest, it was more of, what could I stand to do for the rest of my life? 
And that's a really daunting idea, and that's a massive decision. And decisions cause us fatigue all the time. They cause us stress all the time. As you just saw, all those pictures, they all included some decisions to be made. And for some of us, we were fives across the board, and that's okay. And some of us were cool and chill, and it's fine. But decisions can be really stressful. On average, we make 35,000 decisions every single day. Most of those you don't even think about. But then, of course, there are some decisions that are really life-altering decisions that will change the direction of your life, and those can be really stressful, they can be really scary, and when you're a follower of Jesus, there's a faith element to that where you're like, is this the right thing? Is this where God wants me to go? Is this what God wants me to do? Maybe you've heard of this, uh, the myth of one. A lot of times we use this, uh, or when we hear it, it's in regards to marriage, which we'll talk about this later, but we, we talk about, well, there's the one person for me, this myth of there's only one on this big old planet with billions of people. I'm only compatible with one person. But we actually kind of have this attitude towards multiple areas in our lives. We do this with our careers. If there's this one job that will bring me happiness, there's this one place I need to live that will make me happy. And we kind of view them, they go hand in hand, right? Like, well, if I can find the one job, then that will take me to the one place and when I'm in the one place, then I'll meet the one person. Or if I meet the one person, we'll move to the one place, and then I'll find the one job. And what's really scary about this is if one thing goes wrong, it feels like we're ruining everything else. It kind of reminds me of uh, the game they play at the Braves games where they have the three hats and a baseball under one hat, and they move them around. You got to figure out where the baseball is. Sometimes that's kind of how decisions in our life feel. Of, well, there's one right answer and a million wrong ones. And I really, really hope I pick the right answer. But approaching a career, where you want to live, a person, your major, your friend group, as, well, there's one right and a million wrong is a really stressful and scary place to live. And I don't think God wants us to live like that. I don't think God wants us to approach every decision with stress and fear because our God is way too big and way too creative to say, well, for Cece, there is one path only. And if she makes one decision wrong, it's over. Trashing up the plan, throwing away. That's not a kind and loving heavenly father. And so if we can move away from viewing decisions as a right and wrong, a good and evil, a one in a million, I think it will really help us as we move through the rest of our lives, especially when you're in such a transitional period as college and the time after college. So we're going to be looking in Colossians chapter 3 tonight, and this is a letter written by Paul to a church that had kind of gone off the rails. And so in chapter 3, what he's saying in chapter 3 is, hey, this is how you should live. Once you are a follower of Christ, once you have made the decision to follow Christ, things should change. And through this whole chapter, he talks through what your life, what your attitude towards life should look like. And in verse 17, I think he gives some really helpful advice for not only the church at the time, but for us now when it comes to how do we approach decisions in our life. And this is what he says in verse 17. He says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In 
whatever you do. Now, I don't think he's saying that as a flippant, whatever, I don't care. In whatever you decide to do, I could care less. I think it's more of this, hey, in all of it, in everything you do, in your life, in word or deed, do it all in the name of Christ, in whatever you do. He doesn't say, hey, once you figure out what your career for the next 35 plus years needs to be, then do that in the name of Christ. He doesn't say, hey, once you make a decent salary and you feel like you can stand on your own, then do it all in the name of Christ. No, whatever you do, whatever you end up doing in the future, and whatever you're doing now in word or deed, in the action step, as he says, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus. In everything you do, bring glory to God. In everything. In the job that's forever and in the job that's two weeks. In the class that you stay in and the class that you drop. In the major that you love and the major that you hate. In all that you do, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus. And I think sometimes we can view decisions as there's a good and a bad. And sometimes it's really evident, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time we're deciding between two good options. Like when you narrow down, if you're in college, what school you wanted to go to, it probably wasn't, hey, there's UNG, that's a great school, or I could go learn from some guy in a dark back alley. That wasn't, that wasn't another option. It was probably UNG or Georgia. And they're both good schools. And at both schools, you can glorify God. And in both schools, you can share the good news of Jesus. And in both schools, you can grow in your relationship with him. And both schools were a good option. In life, there's going to be a lot of good options. And all you need to do, not all you need to do, that sounds really flippant and easy, but a good way to think about is, hey, where can I glorify God? And you're probably going to have more than one answer. But follow your gut. Because it's usually God moving towards something. And I think something we forget is, hey, if I want to know where God wants me to go, if I want to know what God wants me to do, a lot of times we forget to bring God into it. You know, we talk about, I don't know if I feel led. I don't know if God wants me to go there. I don't know what God thinks about this. Well, have you, have you asked? No? Okay. The more we spend time with God, the easier I find these decisions to be because it's so evident when it's a no. And I once heard, hey, it is yes and amen until God says no. And when he says no, you're gonna know. And maybe you've had that experience of, hey, I wanna do this thing, I wanna pursue that, I wanna date this person, and you just knew, hey, God is saying no. Not right now, not ever, but it's a no. But God is going to go with you wherever you go. And so tonight, really what I want to talk about, and you might leave and you might think that felt like a really fast talk and it didn't feel super, like, deep. That, it probably, that might feel that way because this talk, I think, this content is so personal. I could sit up here for hours and we could go through every single person's story and all the decisions you're trying to make. And so I think tonight what I really want to do is, hey, I want you to walk out feeling a little freer. The decisions don't need to be scary. They don't need to be stressful. 
And I want you to talk to people about the decisions you're currently facing. I want you to process this with people, whether that's in your small group or with your friends on your way home. I want you to talk to somebody about, hey, I'm feeling the pressure of these decisions. I'm trying to decide between these two. I'm feeling overwhelmed by these decisions or what's next because this is so personal to what you are walking through right now. But I think it's fair to say that God's will for your life is whatever, whoever, and wherever. And maybe you hate that. Maybe you're like me and you're like, I would like a little more rules. I would like some planning. I'm the kind of person, I don't know if you're like this, where if you tell me we're going to a restaurant, I'm already looking at the menu. I'm deciding what I'm getting. I'm walking in with a plan. I want to know every detail. I want to know the prices. I want to know what Yelp says. I want all the information. And so when I hear this, I think, I don't know if I love it. Because I want a clear direction. And I think a lot of times it's what we expect. We sit around and we're like, God will give me a big billboard and it will say, this is what you should do and where you should go and it will be great. And that doesn't always happen. And I think that's in God's kindness and in his graciousness. Because if it's true that God's will for your life is whatever, then that means our options are endless. And so we'll talk about that first. God's will for your life is whatever. And what I mean by that is, hey, that doesn't mean you can give up you know, all your hopes and dreams and just get a job and be miserable. I don't think that's what God wants for you. But God's will for your life is, hey, where do you wanna go? What are your passions? What do you enjoy? What brings you to life? I think the first question we should ask ourselves is, hey, what makes me come alive? When you're at your job right now and you're daydreaming about the job you want, if you daydream about work, I don't know why you would do that, but if you do, if you daydream about the job you one day want, what is that? What brings you joy? What makes you excited about the future? What would be so fun and life-giving to you? Maybe you love animals and you love being around them. Well, there's so many jobs, and a lot of times we think, we'll be a vet. Sure, you could do that, or you could work in a zoo. You could work at a shelter. You could work as a dog trainer. There's so many options you could do to work with animals. If that's what brings you life, then why would we not think about it and pursue that? And I don't, I think God is saying, hey, I'm giving you passions. I'm giving you desires. Go have fun with that. The second question is, hey, what am I good at? What are some talents you have? What, what are some things that you just naturally excel at? Maybe you love to help people understand difficult concepts and you love to see the light bulb turn on and teaching has always been something you've enjoyed and that you're just a natural at. Well, then let's pursue that. If it brings you life, let's go pursue education and pursue teaching, whatever that may look like for you. Maybe you love to cook. I always think of the guy who loves to bake in High School Musical. He's just a guy who wants to bake a creme brulee and everyone wants to make fun of him. But at the end of the day, like it's all he wants to do. And maybe that's all you want to do and you're good at it. Well, let's look into culinary school. You can go into the restaurant business. Like let's find what is it that makes you excited, that makes you come alive, that you have some natural talent at, or you're willing to put in the work to gain the talent at and let's go down that road. And if you're incredibly humble and you're like, I'm bad at everything, 
One, that's not true. Two, ask your friends. Ask the trusted people around you, say, hey, what is it that you notice about me? What am I naturally good at? And they might say, hey, you're a great listener. You create a safe space for people. You'd be a great counselor one day. You're a trusted friend. Or hey, that creme brulee is really good and you should pursue that. Ask the people around you to call out, what are you good at? What are your natural gifts and talents? And the third question is, what are you willing to sacrifice? Because that's the thing. Even if you love what you do, even if you're excited about what you want to do one day, everything has a sacrifice. And I think that's where a lot of people run into trouble because they don't want to make the sacrifice. Or they think they shouldn't make the sacrifice because maybe the job you want one day, the job you're excited about, maybe the salary just isn't great. And that's something you'll have to consider. But is it a reason to not do that thing? I don't think so. Maybe you're gonna have to go back to school. You're gonna have to go on to more school. And you're gonna have to think about, hey, what do loans look like? And that's a lot of work, but hey, it might be worth it to pursue what you're passionate about. Or your schedule might look different from your friends with this job. You may not have weekends. Are you willing to sacrifice? Again, I think sometimes we just sit around and we wait for God to send us like this beautiful golden scroll with all the answers on it. But he's saying, hey, I gave you passions and desires that are unique to you and talents and gifts. And I want you to use them because they'll bring you life. And so God's will for your life is whatever. Whatever you wanna do, whatever makes you happy, whatever brings you life, because here's the truth, in all those things, you can bring glory to God. In teaching, in cooking, in finance, in all areas, in all careers, you can bring glory to God. You can inspire people towards Jesus. So don't get hung up on the, is it what I should do? Is it what you want to do? And how can you glorify God in that? I think there's also um, a belief that if you're a Christian, you have to work in ministry. You don't have to. I'm going to let you free from that one right now. If it's what you want to do, great. That's awesome. But you don't have to. You can be a Christian and work at a post office. You can be a Christian and own a Zaxby's. You can be a Christian and do other things and still bring glory to God. And at the end of the day, I think what's important to remember that in all of this, that yes, what you do matters. I don't want you to have a job you hate for your whole life. I don't think God wants that either. But at the end of the day, who you are is what's more important. God cares more about who you are than what you do. And so in all these things, how can you bring glory to God? How can you share the love of Jesus with the people around you? The second part is God's will is whoever. This one's fun to talk about. Because I think a lot of times, like we talked about at the beginning, you know, there's the belief, the myth of one that on this big old planet, out of the billions of people, only one person is compatible with you. That logically doesn't make sense, if you, if you think about it for five seconds. Uh, because if Susan was supposed to marry Ted, but she married Dave, marriages are ruined for the rest of time. You know, it's like Loki. There's a, there's a branch there. 
and things really went south in the timeline. So it's literally not true that there's only one person on this giant planet for you. Now, I hope you find the person that you're compatible with and that you love if you want that one day. But I think this myth of one, we actually use it as an excuse to not date. Especially, I see this a lot. I went through this in college. I have friends who think this way that, hey, if I don't think I'm going to marry this person, why go on one date? Well, you don't even know their last name. So maybe one date wouldn't hurt. But I think we take ourselves out of the game because we think, well, I'm just waiting on the one. I'll wait on the one. I'll know it. I'll know it. They'll walk by and I'll say, you're my one. And they will agree because that's a normal thing to say to somebody. And then all problems are solved. I don't think we see dating as an opportunity to not only grow and learn more about ourselves, but to also grow and learn more about what we ultimately want in a partner one day. And so when we view dating as, hey, I'm gonna just get to know this person, that's okay. You don't have to know if you're gonna marry the person on the first date. You don't even have to know if you're gonna marry them on the second date. And this is crazy, but you could go on three dates and still not know, and that's fine. And I think we say it a lot of, well, I don't know if I'm gonna marry, and we use that filter of, would I marry this person before we even know them? And we think that's, an, that's like an okay thing to use. That's an okay filter to use. But I wanna flip that on you for a second because we can say that to our friends of, well, I don't wanna go on this date with someone, I don't know if I'm gonna marry them. And they're like, oh, okay, wow, you don't even know them at all. Imagine you go on a first date. They show up, they sit across from you and they say, hey, I almost didn't come tonight because I didn't know if I wanna marry you. That's an insane thing to say to somebody out the gate. And you're like, wait, what? You don't even know me. So when we flip it around, we're like, no, please, like, get to know me first. But we do that so much, and I think it's honestly sometimes a defense mechanism to take ourselves out of it, to avoid it altogether. But I also think it kind of hurts us in the long run because we never actually refine what we're looking for in a partner, in a long-term partner, because we don't get to know many people. We don't get to experience what dating is. We don't get to learn how we are in dating. And it is completely okay to date with the intention of marriage. You can date with your own set of standards and your own expectations and your own boundaries and all that, that's okay. But it's a different thing to date with the expectation of marriage out the gate. We don't need to do that yet. So when it comes to dating, instead of using this, well, there's this myth of one, and I'll get it wrong if I even go on a date with someone who's not my husband or who's not my wife, I want us to get rid of that language and instead use this, use this character and chemistry filter. Before we go on a first date with someone, I think it's fair, instead of assessing would I marry them or not, it's fair to use character and chemistry. When it comes to their character, are we, from what I know now, do we seem to be aligned? Do we have similar values? Do they seem like a kind person? Are they following Jesus? If, the, if one of those answers to those are no, okay, then I think it's okay to potentially not go on a date. And the chemistry element, how, do you think they're cute? Can you talk to them? Is it like talking to a brick wall? I don't know. Like, is there chemistry there? Would it be fun? Do you think it would be a fun date to go on? Using that filter instead of would I walk down an aisle to them or not, 
is a way more realistic approach to dating. Then you go on the date and you see where things go. If you want to go on a second date, great. If you don't, that's okay. But instead of trying to assume whether we're going to marry someone before we actually get to know them, I think we should look at different values, or not values, but characteristics. And so God's will is whoever you end up being most compatible with, who has similar values, who has integrity, who follows Jesus, that is the kind of person we want to find, not the person who we think is husband material before we even know them, or wife material before we even know them. The third one is God's will is wherever. And this one is a little more basic. If you want to live in the city and you can afford it, go live in the city. If you want to travel around the country and live in multiple different places and you can afford it, go do that. If you want to stay in Dahlonega, stay in Dahlonega. Cool. God is going to go with you wherever you go. Wherever brings you joy, wherever you feel like you, you are on mission there, where you can glorify him, wherever you feel safe and at home, God's going to go with you there. If you're in the city and you are an unhealthy version of yourself because you hate the traffic and you can't afford it and you're in serious debt, well, let's get out of there. You don't have to stay. You can move around. And again, God cares more about who you are than where you live or what you do. And so at the end of the day, where do you feel led to go? Where do you feel your most free self, and God will meet you there. God's not going to leave you. God's not going to forsake you. You can't make a wrong decision that would cause him to turn his back on you and give up on you. I'm actually secretly really jealous of you that you're in this really fun time in your life that, yes, is really stressful, but you have so many options. And I love to think that our Heavenly Father is so excited for you. And this season of life where you get to explore different things and learn different things about yourself and move on to your next season equipped and excited for what is next. And he's with you every single step of the way. He's with you as you figure out your career. He's with you as you date and meet new people. He's with you as you move. And then the times where you move to a new city and you feel lonely, he's with you. There's nothing you can do that would make him walk away and leave you by yourself. And the best part is that our Heavenly Father loves to give wisdom and discernment, wants to help us make big decisions, and wants to be with you every step of the way. I look back on my life since college, and I, like I said, I majored in sociology, and I'm currently working in production at a church. Uh, that wasn't a major at UNG. Also didn't know it was going to be my job, so that's unfortunate. Uh, but I remember thinking all through college, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? And I think, looking back, God just wanted me to take the next step in obedience and say yes to the next thing that felt right, 
And that meant saying yes to leading a small group at Brownsbridge, saying yes to an internship, saying yes to a job. I did not plan on staying here long. It's been eight years. I just had no idea what God had in store for me. And in all the stress and in all the worry, it didn't change anything. But I'm so grateful that I didn't do any of it alone. And even a year or so ago, I was thinking about a potential job change and what that would look like, and I just remember clearly feeling no. He will make it abundantly clear when it's a no. And I stayed. And I look back, and I'm so happy that I stayed, and I can see exactly why I stayed, and I'm so grateful that he was clear in that. He will always be clear. Even when it feels like he's not, I promise you, He's right there with you. And the more you, time you spend with him, the easier you will get to discern his voice and to discern your own talents and passions and what makes your heart come alive and what breaks your heart and what passions you wanna follow. And so I'm excited for each of you as we, as we begin the second semester and for some of you who are graduating in May, this is a really fun time in your life and I don't want you to miss out on that.